Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. With me today is my regular co-host, Cleveland Area Attorney and Republican Factotum, Jay Carson. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jay. How are you today? I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I, I am as well, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It's still early. But uh, it's been a big, busy week, and I thought we would start with the, the, the sad event that really brought together all of Washington, at least all of establishment Washington. And of course, that's yeah. the funeral of President George H.W. Bush. You know, Will and I talked about Bush on last week's show, but I wanted to get your thoughts on President Bush, I guess, as well as how you think President Trump has comported himself during, uh, well, kind of a rare, rare week in the Trump era where the fo- focus wasn't entirely on him all the yeah. time. Yeah, I'll say it's 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 one of these things where um, I ad- admittedly, um, you know, typically when we do this show, I I sort of try to put on my uh, emotionless, uh, you know, analyst sort of sort of hat, right, and 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 look at things just as as objectively as, and and here's the facts and and so forth. But in something like this, it's it's tough to distance that from from a certain sense of nostalgia and sort of what. Uh, uh, George Bush meant uh, to to me personally, and I think to you personally too. And um, and it's it's not it's not like 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 we knew the guy or hung out. Um, but uh, it's it there's something special I think about political figures. If if you're in the politics of political figures, when you kind of come of 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 age, if you know what I mean, right? Um, he was I think with both of us probably the first president we voted for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, president during sort of you know a formative college years, uh, he sent you to war. Um, uh, uh, I uh, we both worked in Washington, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know during during the time when he was president. And um, so so I, again, my my view is is going to be a little bit colored just just by um, uh, emotion. But uh, uh, no, I, I think we we lost a great man, and and to say lost maybe is is un is unfair. It's sort of uh, he he lived a a more than full life, uh, uh, and and you know in that case you ought not to mourn someone when they they pass at, at ninety four, but rather celebrate uh, all that they had accomplished. Um, you know, from a a policy standpoint, uh, a lot of conservatives had their gripes about about George Bush. Um, and if I'm going to list the gripes, I mean, I, I would say, and on the one hand, he was, he was not necessarily a supply side believer, um, uh, famously calling the Reagan economic plan, you know, before, while they were running the primary, uh, voodoo economics, um, he came around on that. Um, he also, uh, uh, uh you know, again, famously, um, raised taxes, which, which I should point out, you were really upset about back at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so in in so many ways, he was not uh, answered to conservative prayers, uh, but uh, still, the other piece that, and again, so many people have have said this already, uh, he was the first president to really guide us into, you know, what it was. It was his phrase, "New World Order," um, the the post Soviet world, um, and and managed the, uh, the the falling apart of uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, which, I mean, there were certainly there was ugliness 
that happened in, in say Yugoslavia and so, some of those places. But compared to what could have happened, uh, it was it was managed. Uh, it was managed uh, well, um, uh, and also sort of enunciated the principle in, in Iraq um, that America is to some extent. Uh, going to be the the world's policeman in in this new world order, and that uh, we would build coalitions uh, against you know aggression um, uh, where it happened. So um, those those are big big contributions. Um, the other thing that I think sort of almost goes without saying is uh, just sort of the general uh, decency uh, of 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 the man um, that that you got. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure what else. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of uh, there, there's not much that I can say. Uh, you know, or, or I certainly can't say it as well as as others have. So, um, uh, but but yeah, there's certainly a nostalgia now for someone like <laughs> George Bush, um, at least in terms of, uh, especially in terms of, of demeanor. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh- you know, I, I made my comments last week, but I'll just add that uh, President Trump certainly made a great effort to be, I guess, what for him passes for magnanimous. And it yeah. know, wasn't entirely unsuccessful. And so I guess he can occasionally restrain himself for a very limited uh, period of time, uh, which is which is, I guess, nice to see and perhaps a little surprising. I would also say that, that to me, George Bush, is a, his passing is a, is a sad thing because it represents to me the passing of the sort of Republican Party that I get, that I felt was good and decent and honorable. And then you kind of get from Newt Gingrich on in and it's the war of all against all and civility and all that sort of thing gets pushed right to the sidelines. And you'll disagree with this, but I believe that the Republicans have by far pushed this much more than the Democrats much to our uh, detriment as a country. So anyway, moving on to our first political story of the day, uh, you know, and this is something, Jay, that you very consistently express concern about, and that's vote fraud. I am concerned about that. And there are multiple highly credible allegations of fraud in North Carolina's ninth congressional district where Republican Mark Harris defeated Democrat Don Dan McCready by 905 votes out of more than 280,000 total votes cast. Now, the bipartisan State Board of Elections has to this point refused to certify the election until they can determine whether or not those uh, that alleged fraud may have actually changed the result. Uh, also, soon to be, I think soon to be, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said that the House of Representatives might launch an investigation, and if they determine that fraud influenced the election result, they could vote to not seat Harris, which they have the constitutional right to do. Now, this alleged fraud has nothing to do with polling place voter impersonation, and that's the sort of fraud that multiple Republican legislatures have focused on so very intently in recent years. This fraud is... Well, and, about- and, I'd, and I'd say that because you know, that's sort of the easiest type of fraud to prevent. Sure. And I understand that's yeah. your, that's, that's your reasoning and, and you're, and you're wrong about that, but we'll get to that. <laughs> now this fraud's all about absentee ballots and that's right. something that Republicans have largely ignored. Now, some people say that's because, Not ab- me. no, well, well, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> some people say that this is because absentee voting tends to favor Republicans and that the whole Republican vote fraud prevention thing is really designed to suppress election day turnout among likely Democratic voters. And I think that's absolutely 
what's going on here. Now, Jay, before I get your take, I should mention that a number of listeners have suggested that you'll more or less kind of poo-poo this whole thing because your concern with vote fraud isn't entirely genuine and that you're more or less just kind of pushing whatever the Republican talking points on this are. So uh, what do you think about this? Well, they're wrong. Um, okay. I, I, no, I had I mean, faith. I wasn't yeah. going to. That's what I thought. That's what, in fact, I told a few people. But uh, but it no, is nice I, to see my faith confirmed. Yeah. No, I mean, look, uh, the integrity of the system matters. Um, I've actually, I think on pre- previous shows, sounded the alarm and concerns about uh, absentee voting. Um uh, for that, for that very reason, uh, I think I was something else I, I raised uh, when we were talking about uh, Broward County, um, and and sort of the the anomaly um, that uh, um, you know that that you can have this sort of you know one where a ballot just gets gets sent to an address and who knows who lives there or who gets it or who returns it uh, versus a, a if you show up in person. Um, you have a photo ID uh, scanned and, and so forth. At least in Ohio, it's, it's actually like a, a scanner that you use. Um, uh, so, so no, I've and I've, I think I've said this, uh, you know, gosh, for years. I mean, I think absentee ballot, absentee voting is, is a big problem. Early voting is a big problem. I don't see a reason for it. Uh, I think it's bad for the system. Um, but we've sort of gotten this this weird thing in our heads that. The more people that vote and the sooner they vote, uh, the better. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't think that's great. So, look, look, I think the let the investigation go forward and see what they find. And uh, if they find something, those people should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Yeah. And, and I think certainly that uh, there's a strong case, it seems like, on, on based on the evidence that we have, that there should, in fact, be uh, a new election. Now, the, as the law reads, now there, uh, in fact, North Carolina Republic, Republicans are even saying, Republican officials are saying, well, if there is uh, indisputable evidence that this will, it would have changed the election, this, any kind of fraud, then there should be a new election. But as the law reads, the, the state can call for, the board can call for a new election, not just if it would have changed it, but if there's some, if there's some question as to the overall fairness of the yeah. election. And that's a different standard. And so I think that's kind of what obviously Republican officials don't want to see, don't want to see essentially their, what, what they feel is their win taken away. And, and I, and I certainly get that, but, uh, but to me, and again, I, you know, we've pretty consistently said for any kind of investigation that we're not going to reach any, we're not going to come to any clear conclusion until we actually see the investigations completed. And I, I hold to that still and up from what i understand it's believe it's going to be like the 21st where they're going to have their evidentiary hearing and so we'll see how what happens but gee on the face of it it sure does seem like this uh this uh, operative went out there and was collecting ballots and and tossing them and that sort of thing and that is obviously reprehensible behavior um and to me also from a policy sense i think that there should be and as far as i can tell there isn't this on the ballots or the envelopes for North Carolina. And I don't recall, because I voted by mail in Ohio, I think there should be a pretty prominent... Or or so you believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think there should be a really prominent, very clear warning on all future ballots to not give the ballot to anyone who comes to collect it, no matter who they say they are. But essentially, your options are to mail it in or to turn it in 
in person to the board of elections uh, office. I think that, you know, and maybe people don't know that and someone can easily convince some people that, oh, no, I'm from the office. And so I think having some sort of a statement on the envelope or on the ballot would be a, would be a useful thing. I was wondering what you thought about that. Um, I, you know, look, I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt and it doesn't cost any money to, to, you know, to, for the ink to, uh, put that on the, the envelope. Um, does it change much? I don't, I don't think so. Again, I think, I think the better solution is to, uh, take the radical, uh, <laughs> you know, back again, which people would say is horribly disenfranchising, but this is what we talked about after election day is just, you know, show up at the polls. If, if you are, uh, disabled or out of the count, uh, out of the County, uh, those, those old traditional reasons for voting absentee, uh, I, I think those should still be kept in place, but, um, uh, the idea that everybody can just sort of order their ballot and vote by whenever I, I I've, I've got a number of issues with that. I, and I've heard, I've heard people say, well, they like it because it gives them time to think, right. They can, you know, look up the candidates and do some research and it's not just, they're like walking in, especially with, with, you know, down ballot races of people you might not know a lot about. Um, and I get that. Uh, but I think there's, there's other solutions to that than, than mail-in voting. Well, it's so. not it's not just that. It's that there are oftentimes extremely long lines at polling places. And there's been plenty of research suggesting that those long lines and weights are not evenly distributed and they tend to affect people in certain uh, large urban areas more. And not only that, but, uh, you know, certain people like, well, like me, or I would probably guess like you might have a little more flexibility in their jobs and it's easier for them. And so it's really a matter, not just of having more time, but it's a matter of making sure that no group has, uh, has significantly greater barriers to participation. Well, uh, fair enough, but I said, like, you know, let's balance that with the uh, the, the potential, uh, of, of fraud. And, uh, um, so. Sure. And there's the potential for fraud on one hand, but there's also the, the people who don't have the opportunity to vote then on the other hand, and you need to weigh the pros and cons of that. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, before we get to our next story, want to thank our newest supporters, our newest Patreon supporters, uh, Dania and Eric. Thank you so much. And also we'd like to thank Michelle who recently doubled her support for the wow. show. Yeah, that's thank it. you. And you know, we recently reached our goal of a hundred Patreon supporters. And I said that once we got there, I would post my 12 part series on American politics for all supporters. <laughs> along, yeah, manifesto. There you go. Along with the accompanying PowerPoints and, uh, I will start doing that. Right now, I'm in finals grading week, and it's a a pretty intense thing, but uh, that will be over within the next week, and so you should look to that, look to see that uh, starting sometime during the week of December 17th. Also, Jay and I will be doing our second deep dive policy episode on racism and sexism. That should be interesting. Uh, We're going to do that on December 22nd, and that should be posted pretty much right uh, on December 22nd. And that will be available to all Patreon supporters at the $5 a month or higher support level. So you can get all that great stuff when you become a supporter of the show. And to do that, just go to Patreon. You can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash politicsguys. Just go to politicsguys.com slash support. And there are all kinds of ways to get there. And we really do appreciate your support. Thanks very much. 
I don't have a manifesto with PowerPoint slides to. No, that's, that's probably. But I'll, I'll work on one. That, that, would, be, on one that would be good. Year. We can make that a, a special premium for, for uh, listeners. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. This week, lame duck Republican state legislatures in Wisconsin and Michigan put forward legislation that would limit the powers of incoming Democratic state office holders. Now, according to Republican Robin Voss, who's a speaker of the Wisconsin State Assembly, the number one priority for us is to restore the balance of powers between the two co-equal branches of government, which, hey, I think that's a great sentiment, though it right. certainly seems strange to me that uh, Wisconsin Republicans would all of a sudden be concerned with the balance of power between two co-equal branches of governments now that Democrats mm. are coming in at the last minute. Well, it, no, I mean, they're, they they're had plenty they, of time. They trusted, they trusted the guy who was in there before and they, they don't trust uh, I the, see. the incoming So it's person. the balance of power really isn't an issue when your people are in. I think they don't really understand the basic concept, essentially. Or maybe they are just, oh, what did it say? FOS. I think that's probably it. Anyway, um, now to me, this is a pretty clear attempt to kneecap incoming Democrats. And that's, that's not to say that it's necessarily illegal or unconstitutional. A lot here depends on how the state constitutions are written and interpreted, as well as whether or not the laws cross a separation of powers line by giving the legislative branch right. powers that are clearly not legislative in nature. You know, and I should mention we've seen this before. And I don't, I don't know that these do because I think the specifics of of what we're talking about uh, are are important. <clears throat> sure. It's, it's again, by the way the the mainstream media has reported this is mostly they're taking powers away from the governor. Well, yes and no. Um, no. Uh, particularly I mean, in, in. I want to hear in, the no part because I get the well, yes I guess, part. I guess, certainly. I guess, I guess no. The answer I guess is yes. 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 Uh, it is yes. <laughs> but. Uh, are, are those are those powers that were were exclusively the governor's? Uh, it would be sure. the question. Um, you know, for example, one of them has to do with in, the, in Wisconsin uh, would would require the um, assent of the legislature before the governor would withdraw from uh, the lawsuit uh, against challenging um, uh, the Affordable Care Act. Um, so, look, is that is that uh, that's borderline at best. I well, mean, I mean, but, it, but it, wouldn't wouldn't you agree if, if the elected representatives uh, of the the state of Wisconsin have have some ought to have some say in state's policy uh, as to when lawsuits are brought brought or I, dismissed? I, I don't know. That sure does sound uh, that sure does sound uh, uh, judicial, executive, and not legislative in nature. That that's my sense. But again, it's I think it's a you know it, it's a borderline type issue, and 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 to me. It's just another example of, of, and it's largely Republicans doing this. I mean, we saw this in North Carolina in 2016 uh, when uh, you know, Roy Cooper was elected uh, governor, Democrat, he was a Democrat, and uh, there were a whole bunch of instances where state courts have just said to, to North Carolina, you, you've just gone to the legislature, you've gone too far. In fact, just a few days ago, they tried to take away some of the governor's uh, appointment powers and said, you, you can't do that. And, and it's, you know, it's, this isn't... Uh, and everyone does it type of thing. Well, in a sense, yeah, well, but it's not entirely correct. I mean, there was a, a recent analysis of this in the Columbia Law Review and that found that this is kind of asymmetric. Republicans do it not only more, but they push harder at the legal boundaries than Democrats. Well, it's, I'm, I'm not sure how they, how they quantify the push harder at the legal boundaries. Meaning that they do uh, more things that get overturned. Well, all right. Uh, but I'm, again, I'm not sure that's... 
that that goes to win loss record and not to push hard on the legal boundaries. Sure, um, I understand why you would have but, a vested interest in not admitting that your your party has uh, has pushed a lot harder at these norms. And to me, that's what really gets at me. That number two things. Well, first off, I think this is a great example of what happens when you basically just throw out norms and try to do everything through laws. I mean. Laws are blunt instruments, and when you but this is this is what we this is what we uh, we so often talk about that yeah uh, isn't it isn't it better to have something go through a democratic legislative process rather than just have it decided by by rule and that so much of so many of our problems no no, no you're missing my point state I, level are, are that we do things by simply by by rule or executive fiat you're missing rather my than point. working through the legislature yeah you're totally missing my point um okay in fact and i'm kind of surprised because you you claim to be a burkean and yet you're right. missing my point here all right um and the, my point here is that we have these unwritten rules we have these norms of behavior and one of these political norms is that lame duck congresses do not try to, or lame duck legislatures, do not try to essentially kneecap the incoming administration because they're upset that they lost. There's that, and that, that has been, I mean, and certainly that's, that's pushed against a little bit here and there, but that's what I mean about a norm of behavior. You don't do that. You accept your loss with a certain amount of grace and you move on. And that's happening less and less. And the problem is, is when you say, well, hey, it's not illegal. Well, then there's all kinds of unethical stuff that can be done. I mean, there's all kinds of unethical stuff. I'm positive that President Trump does that is certainly probably not illegal. And that's when we when we just throw toss out these norms of behavior and we say, well, it's not illegal, so it must be okay. That's I think that's and you know that's something conservative. Well, I'm, not, I'm not clear. I guess I guess my point is I'm not clear why it's unethical. Not, right? For I mean, the, not for, even, the, for the sitting legislature that has been elect duly elected by the people of Wisconsin to say, we have a policy, there's a policy in place right now regarding uh, this this litigation, this lawsuit. Uh, it is the will of the legislature, it is the will of the people as expressed through their, their representatives that that suit not be dismissed. It's the will of the people as expressed through their representatives. So yeah. the people who just recently elected these, I mean, I, I don't know, right. it seems like you want to have it all kinds of different ways here, Jay. I think that's a... I well, think that's and, and look, if the, if the incoming legislature disagrees, they can they can change it. They can rewrite it, right? The the incoming sure. I, again, I think you're missing the point. Uh, and again, uh, it's surprising to me because I, I have thought in the past that you're well, no. Right. I, I totally no. I totally get the the Burkean point. Uh, I guess you my my so issue. I, I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily. I don't see this as being a norm because it it does happen pretty frequently and all the time. I mean, but if you look at in the past. I mean, it seems to me you're being a selective Burkean uh, right. when, it, when, it, when it benefits so, your party. So here's, so here's what, an example would be uh, in 20, 2008, um, after governor, uh, the legislature passed a bill. Uh, one of the things had to do with, um, uh, you'll like it, uh, class action lawsuits. Um, uh, and it was approved by the legislature. Um, on the final day of session uh, of, of that of that year, the legislature then adjourned. Um, uh, uh, governor Kasich had been elected. He was governor-elect. He was going to be coming in in two weeks. Um, but because of sort of a quirk in the Ohio Constitution as to when the new legislature is sworn in versus when the new governor is sworn in, there's a period where you have the new legislature but the old governor. Um, and Governor Strickland vetoed this this bill after the legislature had left. Uh, in order to kneecap uh, the incoming governor, uh, and there was there was no provision that the legislature could then override that veto because they'd gone home. 
uh, or they were actually, they were out of office, literally. Um, uh, so, I mean, look, that, that happens and, and the world didn't, uh, come screaming about, uh, uh, the, the and, loss and of norms and so forth. And that's There's, the sad if you look thing. At, if sure. you look at, look at, um, uh, so many of these, uh, late, um, late Obama administration, uh, rules and regulations that were put in, you know, in some cases, literally on the last day for the very purpose, knowing that an incoming administration couldn't live with them and would have to uh, take steps to to uh, repeal them and would take the political heat for that. That's that happens. That happens all the time. Look at and, and again, if you want to jump way back, um, John Adams. Right. And and this is this is how, you know, our whole uh, tradition of, of judicial review got started was John Adams. Uh, appointing judges literally at midnight on his way out of office in order to kneecap the next administration. So, I, look, if you want to say it's not nice, uh, I, I'd agree with you. It's not nice. Uh, I don't think it's it's necessarily unethical, and I don't think it violates a norm because I think we just see what the norm is differently. I guess I see the norm as being a uh, uh, being a gracious loser and not trying to uh, not not trying to destroy your 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 opponent uh when he he or she comes into office and, but, but and would, i guess you don't you, you don't you have a you don't have a problem with that and and i guess i do well i, I no come on i i i'm saying is is look if you've got a policy interest that people elected you to protect uh to just say well uh there's a new governor coming in so eh, forget you're, it you're going to argue that the people have expressed an interest in balance of powers issue i think that's a i think that's yes. a reach i think that's a huge yes reach uh and i i totally disagree but anyway i think that uh uh edmund burke is rolling in his grave he's with me on this and he's hugely disappointed in you jay um but oh, I don't think so. as to policy well you know you're wrong that hurts you're, you're, burke is disappointed you're, you're wrong a lot but anyway um i think there's one way to what i would like to see is you know you think about uh this why this can happen and it's because of this period between the election and the new legislature being uh, in office. And, you know, there are three states, Alabama, Indiana, and Nevada, they all swear in their new legislators right after the general election. And uh, and there's a Florida state law, I believe, says that the term of office for each member begins upon election. And I think if we're going to just throw these norms out, then I think that moving to some kind of a uh, a system like that makes a lot more sense because, of course, in the old days, I mean, these laws were put into place, these long periods, because of the time it would take to get to the whatever, to the state capital or this kind of thing and move. But things move a lot quicker. And there's no reason why we can't at least make this period a bit shorter. And I would be I think I would probably be for something like that. What do you think? Oh, I'd say careful what you wish for. Um, you know, there's there's something to be said about things that can get done in lame duck sessions that can't get done otherwise. If you're just talking about the real politique of of this whole thing, um, right? There are sometimes the tough choices are made in lame duck sessions, uh, and the reason they can be made in lame duck, <laughs> can be those tough choices can be made is because they're in lame duck sessions. Um, uh, so I, I think that's it. Also, it 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 would alter the. Um, the legislative schedule in so many places, right? If you had to have everything enacted before election day, um, that's, that's, uh, but there are ways to do it. I mean, the fact that oh, a number not, of states yeah, do, it, do it, so it's it, not yeah. like this is some radical experiment. Right. And I don't know, like I don't that. know how it works there. I don't um, either. Yeah. But, but again, my, my sense as a Burkean, 
would be <laughs> leave it alone. And, and and again, it's it's there's always this sort of you know democratic thing of of uh, if things aren't going your way, well, we need to change the constitution. And I, um, you know, again, my my instinct is is not to not to go there. I think there would be a lot of unintended consequences going there. I I don't know what the experience has been in those states that have, have done this, and maybe it's just you get used to it. I don't know. You, you um, were just talking about will of the people, so you know. <laughs> I'm talking about will of the people. Well, and and the the other thing is, and and I'll, I, again, you probably know that the the words will of the people don't come easily uh, off my tongue. Um, yeah. The, the whole Rousseauian. Sure. I, hey, I'm, I'm with not, you there. <laughs> not, that, that you get a lot of other people might not get, but yes, sure. it pains me to say that. Um. Um. But uh, uh, well, no, I. I I'll say, I will say something I think that we will, we will, will agree on uh, on this because there are a number of things we don't agree on. But this argument that somehow doing this is undemocratic and that, I mean, to me, you're, if you're a legislator, you are elected for a set term. And if that yeah. term ends, you know, uh, you, can, you can act uh, the day before that term ends. And that's, that's completely legitimate. That's, it's not like absolutely. you say, well, our term sort of ends. After the next election, I'd never bought that. Just like when when Mitch McConnell was making his argument about, you know, not uh, not having hearings for Merrick Garland. I thought that was a ridiculous argument, too, for the exact same reason. So if you want to change when that term ends, that's a different thing. But arguing that it is on its face, not OK to do simply because your term is. Well, not over, but someone new has been elected. I don't buy that argument, and I know you agree with me on that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I would say that something that that uh, I've sort of taken some umbrage at is uh, the the uh, mainstream media and a lot of outlets was describing this as like a a coup. A coup, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's sort of no. I mean, they they voted the way that they didn't want to do it, and and look, if if this is something, and I'm no expert on the Michigan or Wisconsin constitutions. Uh, if it's something that violates their constitutions, they're going to have a legal remedy and, and uh, they'll, they'll get that worked out. Uh, if it isn't something that violates their constitutions, well, then, like I said, it's, it's fair game. And if you want to say it was, it was uh, not nice, it was sneaky to do that, uh, that's fair. Um, um, sure. But again, I, I, I guess we just come down to what we see as, as, uh, as the, the norms of, of behavior uh, and I, I think I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, crazy stuff happen in, uh, lame duck sessions. Um, uh, some good, some bad. And, and I think that's part of the process. And I, that's why, I, um, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me to, to see this happen. So. Yeah. It doesn't shock me either. I think it may be just, uh, I think I'm a little more of an idealist than you are, Jay. All right. I, well, you, I think you, I think you are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, this week, CIA director Gina Haspel briefed senators on the killing of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And senators from both parties emerged from this briefing convinced that Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam ordered the killing. You know, for instance, frequent Trump apologist, I guess I'd call him, uh, uh, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham said, it is zero chance, zero, that this happened in such an organized fashion without the Crown Prince. And you know, this was echoed by Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chair Bob Corker, who said if the crown prince went in front of a jury, he would be convicted in 30 minutes. And then there's Alabama's Richard Shelby, who said it would defy logic to think that anyone other than the crown prince was responsible. And yet the Trump administration and the president himself continue to um, equivocate 
And they've really taken no significant action in response, I would say. And, you know, I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. To me, the only way to send a message to the Saudis that will mean anything to them and that will potentially get them to think twice before attempting another, well, really kind of brazen criminal act like this is to hit them where it hurts. And what I'd like to see is I'd like to see a suspension of all military support and all weapon sales for a non-trivial period of time. Now, what that length would be, I don't know, but it would have to hurt and hurt a lot. So that's my position. Jay, uh, what do you think? I mean, what, what's your sense is, uh, number one, uh, what do you think about what the senators well, are I, saying? I, and I number- think that it's, well, I wasn't, uh, I have not been you're not the, the CIA director. Sure. A CIA, CIA director. Um, but, but my sense is that uh, the senators are, are probably all have it right. Right. I mean, that, that would seem to be um, certainly the, the vast weight of the evidence of the public evidence would seem to support that. The vast weight of common sense would seem to support that uh, the prince was, was directly involved. Um, and uh, if they're if they're saying that they're this this certain having been briefed, well, I I think that's that's probably what happened. Um, so the the next question is, uh, what do we do about it? Yeah. Um, and that's that's the more difficult question. Um, I, I I I'm against this, you know, automatic withholding of arms and so forth. Uh, just again on the the real politic thing. And here again, we're going to come down as as being a idealist. Uh, but, um, it's, that's a, 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 a bad world out there. And, uh, we sometimes have to deal with some pretty bad characters. Uh, and that has been the norm historically. Um, we've given Saudi uh, Arabia a pretty enormous pass and an awful lot of stuff. I mean, well, it, they we'll are, take, they're take a major, let's, 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 you know, let's consider though the pass we gave to, uh, the Russians during world war two. Now you can say, well, I was different. Oh, was I think war, it was, was probably against, a little bit Hitler. different. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but again, let's let's consider. Uh, we are outraged that the Saudi prince uh, uh, killed one person. Uh, Stalin killed likely twenty million. Um, and and yet, you know, we had uh, our our president, our government, uh, Hollywood making essentially propaganda films. That's it. Uh-huh. That's a, it's an entirely, I, I think it's a false analogy, and here's why. Because in that case, we were dealing with the difference between a monstrous wrong and what we judge to be a more monstrous wrong or evil. Sure. In this case, we're dealing with some pretty significant bad activity uh, compared to, I don't know, I guess, oil and regional stability. Uh, what we think, well, I think is you're, regional I think stability. You're not, you're not figuring in the Iran part of it. Though. I think I am, actually. I mean, I think I'm totally figuring in Iran, and I think that this idea that we're going to put all of our eggs in the Saudi Arabian basket against Iran is incredibly short-sighted and, and wrong-headed. Well, I, again, I guess that's that's where we, we would disagree. Um uh, I, I think we have much more hope of actually working with the Saudi uh, government now and in the future than we ever would with the Iranians. And even if we didn't, even if we we find that the Saudis despicable, and and I do, um, we we would still prefer them uh, to be in a position of power vis-a-vis the the Iranians. But- uh, than to have Iranian hegemony in the Middle East. But where are they going to go? I mean, you know, this is the thing. <laughs> Serious? No, I, I, I'm being totally serious about this. In the sense that we have this idea that what we can't we can't push 
on them to, to oh, get certain push things. On them. We can push on them. And, and I think Just in not can, a way we, that hurts them. I mean, that's, that's can, my we point. Can is, pushing, we can do the pushing behind closed doors, and there may be other things going on that – uh, that you and I don't know about. Oh, I'm sure uh, there are. But yeah. I, I'm thinking suspending suspending the arms sales. Uh, I think that sends a a dangerous message uh, to the the Iranians and to others who would who would seek regional hegemony. That 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 would be a signal. Hey, the U.S. is not going to back these guys up anymore. Let's go. That would also send a, a signal to the Russians. See, I would think U.S. I, is the U.S. is pulling out here. The U.S. is is in retreat on I, these issues. I, I disagree. And I, I think, think it's... look, and that's 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 the real politic. I'm saying that twice in one show, um, of 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 the world we live in. And uh, well, 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 let me tell you something, Secretary Kissinger. I mean, I totally disagree oh. with you on this. Um, and, and that's I think this to me is a great this this would be an example for Trump to show American American strength to say we're not going to be pushed around we're not going to let you just dictate the terms of our partnership we are the senior partner here sure. we're going to hold the cards and and we're going to tell you what you're going to do and that's showing American strength in a positive way but of course I tend to think that our president is so deeply in bed with the Saudis and all kinds of questionable ways that he can't afford to do that because he is a he is a cowardly craven corrupt man who knows that he can't do some of these things because he's fearful of being exposed and he should be oh wow well i mean that that all may be the case but that doesn't mean he's wrong i, I think he's wrong what, too that's, so that's yeah I, that's what i come i come back to is um uh you know i i, I mean there have been plenty of, there's been plenty of criticism and i've leveled it myself that uh, you can do something, and for example, Reagan did this uh, with some of the regimes that we worked with in the Cold War, right? For example, Marcos, um, where you can you can take a firm line and say, "Listen, we we absolutely deplore the way you're handling your government, the corruption, the human rights abuses," uh, and you can call them out publicly. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean you're you're uh, dropping your alliance uh, with them or or changing things on the ground. You can you can do other things. I, my I, I guess my I think our our difference is a matter of degree. I'm I'm all for calling the Saudis out and saying uh, you can't do this. Uh, we're going to you know to discuss consequences and this is going to harm the relationship and so forth. Um, but but sort of the the blankets. Uh, we're not going to sell you arms anymore. We're not going to. Uh, I didn't say not anymore. That. It's more of a case of do something that hurts, but that isn't fatal to the relationship. But well, unless or, or we impose a real cost, we, I mean, we will, we will, you know, we're going to require you to do do more on human rights or something like that. Uh, uh, well, we'll say pretty please. I mean, that, I mean, you talk about real politic. I'll used to wear what the heck. Um, you know, I mean, what's going to move them to change? what they're what they're doing i mean pretty clearly uh uh mbs did this i used his trendy name there right obviously if he did this he did this because he felt that khashoggi was a threat and so the only way to change their behavior through kind of using this kind of very realist sort of frame is to make not doing or is to make doing that less of a threat than the concern about the loss of U.S. support. I mean, sure. we, and so just and I'm, I'm betting I'm betting that MBS is thinking, man, uh, that was a boneheaded move that I did. Maybe you're right. I hope you're right. Certainly. On I that, think. So. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's move on. Then. You know, the G20 summit ended last week, and I think it was, I would say, largely uneventful with with the exception of. President Trump announcing that 90-day 
ceasefire right. of sorts in the, the trade war with China. And then, of course, right after the conference, the president took to Twitter and claimed that China had agreed to a number of concessions. And Chinese officials said, um, no, we haven't. Uh, there was a there was a, a great uh, a, a great memo by uh, the financial firm J.P. Morgan's trading note. They, they wrote, it doesn't seem like anything was actually agreed to. And White House officials are contorting themselves into pretzels to reconcile Trump's tweets which seem, if not completely fabricated, then grossly exaggerated with reality. And I thought, well, that's uh, typical Trump. There you go. Well, yeah. Well, what's your, uh, what's your take on that part before we get to, uh, before we get to kind of the second China thing? Um, you know, I, I again, um, wasn't uh, invited to dinner at the G20. Um, so wasn't there. Can't say what, what happened. Uh, my sense is obviously there must have been some sort of progress, right? Uh, uh, now I don't. Again, uh, we'll we'll know more as 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 we continue to talk. At this point, I I'm concerned, and you know me, I am not a, a fan of tariffs. No. Um, uh, and I think what what he's doing is uh, um, the whole 90 day suspension, and then maybe it kicks back in. I, I have to say, uh, from my um, standpoint in the private sector of working with a lot of clients who are in manufacturing. Uh, and are in international, you know, buying and selling overseas. Uh, um, this is a nightmare um, because the biggest thing that the business community craves, and, and and you'll be surprised to hear this. I mean, you think it's well, it's you know, low tax, low regulation. Let's Certainly. let us uh, po- let, let us poison people, um, and those are all important. Um, uh, but but the biggest thing that that uh, the business community craves is predictability. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is something of they can't, uh, you know, figure out what are our prices going to be 30 days down the road, 90 days down the road. <clears throat> um, it's, well, well, it's well in Captain Chaos is your president. I mean, it makes it pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, so that's that is a big concern. And the markets are reflecting it. Um, uh, so I, 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 I think Trump is going to. Uh, hopefully come to his senses or this, you know, this is just part of his, his way of negotiating. Uh, he announces, Oh, they've already agreed to all this uh, as a way to sort of, you know, that's his first uh, negotiating point. Yeah. If if you will, you know what I mean? He floats oh, yeah. it, puts it out there. Then they have to come back and say, no, 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 we didn't agree to that. And then you say, well, why not? And um, you know, I think that's part of the game. I think it's part of the, just the way he, he operates. Um, but it is, it is terrible, uh, for people who are trying to do business. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole kind of keep everyone off balance, which yeah. markets don't understandably don't like at all. And there's no way to run a country, I would say. Um, I, well, I, I thought we'd be pretty much in complete agreement on this. Uh, I'm wondering how, how, uh, how much that agreement will extend to the other sort of China related story. Uh, that's of course the chief financial officer of the tech giant Huawei, uh, you know, being detained by Canadian officials for extradition to the U.S. concerning what what, what would seem to be a a potential violations of U.S. sanctions against Iran. Now, I should point out that uh, Huawei's been a concern for U.S. officials for, you know, a number of years. It's a huge firm, right? Seventh largest tech firm in the world. Uh, World's second largest cell phone manufacturer, largest manufacturer of network equipment by phone for phone companies and internet companies and U.S. concerns here revolve around, number one, the company's ties to the Chinese government and kind of related the possibility that their equipment could allow China to more 
easily spy on anyone who utilizes uh, that stuff. And obviously, this development can't be good in terms of moving toward a resolution of U.S.-China trade disputes, especially since a big part of our concerns in the U.S. revolve around intellectual property theft and that kind of thing. So, right. uh, Jay, how, how big of a deal do you see this as? Um, again, this is I, I, it's hard to say. On the one hand, this might this might well be uh, something that is helpful. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean this this sends a this sends a message uh, to China that we will not look the other way. Um, if their companies are are violating these these uh, prohibitions, uh, particularly on on the sanctions front, um, there's always a little bit of me that's, that's troubled when you see just a business person just be arrested, right? Um, that, that was the case in um, uh, the uh, uh, with the um, Japanese uh, uh, automaker thing. That's also that's that's uh, just because it, again, there's so much government involvement. Um, and when we start arresting CEOs, uh, we better have a good reason to do that. Uh, see, in this well, case, see, okay, going to say more so than with regular people. Or? No, well, well, yeah, yes, and no. Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah, because um, CFOs are it, special. They get the they they are they're a special class, I guess. Huh? Well, it's it's I would say uh, keep digging, Jay. <laughs> no, I, I would say this would be a situation where uh, government stepping in to say. We are going to, you know, sort of take control of your business, or we are essentially aiding um, uh, a rival business. Uh, that's that's sort of the concern I get when you have these sort of, and and again, I'm I'm uh, thinking of the, um, and gosh, my the name escapes me because I wasn't expecting I'd talk about this, um, <clears throat> but um, uh, in Japan, the uh, I, I want to say the president of Nissan. Uh huh. Uh, who is who was arrested and has been detained and really held without without charges <clears throat> for like a good two weeks now, um, and no one's given any good good reason. Um, but that's that's a completely separate story. But I'm I'm just saying that's my um, I see a potential for abuse there. From what what I understand, I mean, look, it's it's the Canadians that they're not typically um, an authoritarian regime that just goes around grabbing people, right? Um, uh, and uh, we have extradition treaties, and we we ought to honor those. And uh, the Canadians are going to honor it, um, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there. So uh, maybe this this sends a a message to the Chinese that uh, uh, we will not be messed around with. Um, uh, and I don't know. I, it depends on how that message is received. I mean, maybe it, it makes them angrier and does royal the trade things, uh, the trade wars, even more. Or or maybe it. Uh, gives them a sense of uh, uh, this is, you know, we're not kidding. Yeah. So, well, and, and this is an area where I, uh, I have some issues. I think that the Obama administration you know, and, and previous administrations for a while now, uh, the Bush administration before that, did not push back hard enough on China on a lot of these issues. And so, in a way, I, I understand the Trump administration's desire to try something different. I just disagree with doing it in a unilateral tariff focused way. I think the way to do it is sort of the way that, well, the, the late George HW Bush would have done is to try to build some sort of a 
multilateral international coalition. Uh, that's that was his way, and that's that's my way as as well, generally speaking. So I, you know, I certainly think that's a huge issue, and we need to we need to hit them where it hurts. And maybe maybe you're right. I certainly hope you're right that this is this is a move in that direction. So. All right. Well, before we uh, wrap up today, I want to mention that as soon as Jay and I are done recording this show, we're going to be doing our special supporters only exclusive uh, after show. And this week we're going to be talking about, well, there's some good news, I think, from freshman Democrats. I'm excited to talk about that. And uh, Jay, I get to talk about my favorite government agency. You know what that is. Oh, I do. Yeah, the, I do. the good old CFPB. Uh, back. Uh, yep. Yeah. How it's sort of but the state, the sad state of the CFPB under under the dastardly Mick Mulvaney, and we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit. So if you're interested in that, you should definitely check out the Supporters Bonus Show. And if you're a supporter, that should be in your podcast app by the time you hear this. And if you're not yet a supporter and would like to help keep us going and get access to that, uh, just go to politicsguys.com slash support. Also, uh, if you could, uh, support or not, it'd be great if you could uh, subscribe to the show, share this show with friends, enemies, uh, co-conspirators, you name it, uh, whoever, that would be great. Uh, we would appreciate it. And if you want to get in touch with us, mail at politicsguys.com. There's also our Facebook page where you can message us and we post stuff throughout the weeks, throughout the weeks, throughout the week. That's facebook.com slash politicsguys page. We're also on Twitter at politicsguys. The executive producers of the Politics Guys are Michael Baranowski, Jay Carson, Trey Orndorff, Will Miller, and Bruce Johnson. Today's show is produced by Michael Baranowski. We'll be back with a new show on Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.